and I think it is recording. What up, Wolves? Don Chen's new interview. I'm here with my good, good pal, Joey Ace. He is the ECWA, East Coast Wrestling Association champion and the Mid-Atlantic champion. So he's the champ champ. Yeah, baby. Do you actually call yourself the champ champ or do you have a different term? No, it's it's the champ champ, uh, Joey, a two-strap JoJo. Um, and yeah, they're those two really. Those, those two? two. <laughs> I like two-strap JoJo better because that's original. That's more original yeah, than yeah. stealing from McGregor. <laughs> How's it going? It's also your birthday today when we're recording. I just oh, found out. So you. happy birthday. <laughs> thank you, bro. If you're, if you're listening, say happy birthday to yourself <laughs> quietly. <laughs> Be polite. Oh, man. All right. You feeling good? Oh, man. You dude, ready? I'm feeling great. Yeah. All right, so I did a bad job of uh, prepping Joey for this because I told him two truths and a lie um, about five minutes before <laughs> we got started. <laughs> so I'm already screwing up, but let's. he says he thinks he has it, so we'll see if he's got it. All right, man, I'll start. Um, so first story is it's the WWE Hall of Fame after party, uh, and I had pizza with Brett the Hitman Hart. Okay. Now, it's another story. It's about maybe six years ago. I was at a show in Corona, Queens at the Elmcore Center. And one of the wrestlers that was shooting a movie at the time did not show up. So they booked. They were like, we need you. So I'm in there. And they're like, we're just going to record you doing a dropkick to Shane Douglas. You know, this is former ECW uh, world champ. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And... I'm just drop kicking him. He's hitting the ropes. I'm drop kicking him. They're just getting the scene. So then they snag me up and they go, wait, we need you with Taya Parker. Do you know who Taya Parker is? I do not know who Taya Parker so is. So she's done, I think, Playboy and Penthouse. Okay. So and she is gorgeous. But she was also on Brett Michaels' Rock of Love. Okay. Heard of that. And like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we, we're going to we want to do a scene with... With you throwing her down in the chair and like choking her, dude. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, she's gonna be super professional, right? <laughs> she's gonna be awesome. She's gonna be. Pro- she's like, ooh, poppy. And I'm like, oh man, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm wearing wrestling tights, dude. <laughs> and they don't, yo. So we, we do the scene, bro. And it's like, not one scene. Oh, let's do it again. Oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Dude, I lost my mind. I am Dude, sweating, drenched so in sweat. Oh my and God. she is like, ooh, oh my God. And I'm like the course of the night, I just can't take my eyes off her. And I'm like, just bugging out. Well, you're like choke slamming her. I'm just like, <laughs> and my friend Mike is next to me. He's like, Dude, yo, when your girl sees this, I'm like, Oh, I hope not. Uh. <laughs> my my tire was great, man. She was a sweetheart, though. Uh, now, third story. Um, I speak Chinese. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that was I, t- two crazy stories, and then I speak Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I lived in Chinatown for what going on like ten years, so like the borderline Chinatown and um, Lower East Side. So I picked it up. That second story has to be true. Too much detail. I feel like Chinese could be like you speak it fluently, or you just you understand a little bit. I don't speak Chinese. Yeah, so it has to be it. The other two stories were way too detailed. <laughs> I gave myself away. But the other thing too is sometimes people will do it. They'll like just 
one minor detail will be a lie and that's like how they get you. Yeah, but yeah, 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 those are two detailed stories. And I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what I should expect when I didn't do a good job of preparing you. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. thinking about something. Yeah. So that's kind of on me. Um, all right. So you are a professional wrestler, like I said. Yes. Um, so I assume you were a big WWE fan growing up, right? What was your, what was your era that you really liked when you were watching it man the era obviously this is everyone's answer and it's the attitude era but my like era was the i loved the, the transition from the new generation wwf and then to going into the attitude era that whole changing of the guard the whole switch around the colors of like the ring ropes changing from red white and blue to red the you know monday night raw switching over to raw is war like and also, like, I grew up on WCW also. Okay. So, like, WCW Monday Nitro and everything. Like, that whole era was, like, probably for me the best era next to when I was super, super young and watching Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Ultimate Warrior go at it. Like, all those guys go at it. So, who was, the, who was your guy? Who were your guys? Oh, man, if I had two guys growing up, it was Shawn Michaels and Brett the Hitman Hart. All right. Yeah. Those are two great guys, though. Oh, yeah. And so you were a fan growing up, obviously. At what point did you decide that that was something you would want to pursue yourself? There's There was two instances. The first was I was at a show with my father at Madison Square Garden, and it was a Monday Night Raw. At what age? I'm, I, I was 16 years old. Okay. So... I'm trying to remember the match. It may have been a lumberjack match for the world for the world heavyweight championship, and I remember like it was just mayhem. These guys are going in there. Randy Orton's hitting people with um, RKO's and Triple H's in there. Every every it was just mayhem, and my dad never got excited about anything. And we sat on the lodge level, so like right before the hockey barriers, and this is before the renovation. So like you could kind of go down there, and the security guards never let did anything really to you. So like I ran down and I snapped a picture on one of those like old Fuji film cameras I had, but I ran out. So I'm like, click, click, click. And it's like, not, I'm like, oh man, I got no, no, no film. So I'm looking at these guys go at it. I'm like, just in awe, like the lights, like the cameras, like the crowd going crazy. It's New York city, you know? And I look behind me and like, I see my father and he is on his feet, throwing his arms up, yelling, screaming, going bananas. But in my head, that's the only person I saw when I looked back. I didn't see anyone else. I looked at, I looked at him. I looked at the ring, and my dad was one of those people who's, who told everyone he was proud of me, but never to me. He never like was like, oh, you know, I'm proud of you. He would like tell like his friends, his my mother, like, oh, yo, I'm proud of him. But me, he was always like hard on me. So I looked back, and I'm like, I want him to cheer for me like that, and. I'm going to get in that ring one day and he's going to see me and he's going to bug out. And I'm going to stand in the corner just like Randy Orton is right now. And I'm going to look at my dad sitting right over there and he's going to tell me he's proud of me. And I'm going to see it and I'm going to look him in the eye and tell him I love him. That was the click that I was like, I want to be a pro wrestler. The second story was... Um, when I when it really kind of clicked all in was I was home and my dad had passed away 
I was 16 years old. He passed away that January, I think of 2005, 2004. I'm not sure. I don't really remember the date. Um, and my mom was really sick. And my house is going into a foreclosure. And I got like no no money for food. I may have $20 to my name to my next paycheck. And I'm sitting in my living room eating like this steak and that I made. And it was like not seasoned. It was freezer burned. <laughs> Dude, it was terrible. <laughs> right? And I, uh, and I got these instant mashed potatoes, man. No milk, just straight up water. And, and I am trying to stomach this down because I need something to eat. And I pop in on my VHS tape, Shawn Michaels and Brett the Hitman Hart. And I'm like, I need to escape. And I wasn't the type to like go out. And I lived in Canarsie. This is like Canarsie, Brooklyn, just a bunch of West Indians. And, and they all like just gangs, little gangs here and there. And it was bad neighborhood when I was there. So like there's nothing but drugs and gangs and everything. And, you know, I'm just home. And I'm like, I need an escape. And wrestling is my escape. Pop that tape in. I stomached this down and I watched three times over the Iron Man match with Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart and just got lost in it. And I was like, this is going to take me away from this poverty, this heartache, this everything that's going on right now. This is going to take me away from it. This is going to make me the money that I need. This is going to make me, this is going to just take me away from wherever I'm at. And that was the second click. So 17 years old, it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, it was game time. I made the decision. I was like, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to college. College isn't for me. I'll figure something out of how I can pursue this wrestling with something. That is in that same field. And the decision was made that night. That Those were definitely the best stories whenever I've asked somebody, <laughs> like, what made you want to start or how did yeah. you get started? That, that was awesome. So you said you were 17 then? Mm-hmm. So then what was step one? Step one was, one, finding a job that was going to pay for this stuff and kind of getting out of that house. So what happened was, make a long story short, I ended up going to my grandmother's. Me and my mom ended up living with my grandmother in the Lower East Side. And the only school at the time that I knew about was Johnny Rods. You know, the, um, so it was in Gleason's gym. So I'm like, let me go take the walk. And I walked over the bridge and all I thought about was being like WWF world champion. And I'm like, I'm gonna be the champ. I'm gonna wrestle in Madison Square Garden. And this is the first time, this is the first thing I'm gonna do you know, it's going to get me there. Like Johnny Raj trains all the guys. Let me go see what's up. And I knew it was going to cost me some dough. And I'm like, all right, let me, you know, I, I get there. And he's um, he's there. And I see the guys wrestling. I'm like, all right. And before this, I had a ring in my backyard in Brooklyn. I had a wrestling ring in my backyard. That had a good a place friend. to practice. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was practicing. And that's a whole nother story of how I got a 16 by 16 steel wrestling ring in my backyard in Brooklyn. It's like a whole crazy story. I'll get to that. But um so I, I get to the to to Gleason's gym and I you know I see Johnny and he's talking to me for an hour of all his accomplishments, all the people he trained, the people he's training now. And I'm like, cool, great. Just just how much is it? He's like three grand with on top of a gym membership. And I'm like, 
what? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And when you're 17, 18 years old, yeah. you're like, Yo, <laughs> it's like all the money you just, you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah. You just got out of high school and you're like, what? And he's like, if you go to college, 1600. So I was like, oh man. I'm like, okay, cool. He talked to me a little bit and he was like, come back when you got the money. I'm like, all right. And I leave and I go to a Starbucks and grab a, a coffee. And I just, I'm in Brooklyn Bridge Park, Don, and I am crying my eyeballs out because I am like, how in the world am I going to make $3,000 and come back? Yeah, that's a lot. Like, I, I, I it's, it's a lot. And I, I'm a kid who lives in the projects. I'm like, Yo, how am I going to make this money? Man, I'm thinking maybe I could figure out some kind of payment plan. Why not? Why not? What ends up happening is I end up getting a job at Abercrombie & Fitch. And I'm working there. And then a friend of mine hits me up and he's like, dude, there's a school in Long Island. And they're doing like tryouts for it. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, uh, won't you come down? It's in Ron Konkuma. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go. So me and him go, me and my boy Matt, and this other kid named Chris. And we were doing like backyard wrestling too. So we were like kind of keeping ourselves busy with that. So going to our friends' places in Long Island and they had rings in their backyard and we would go mess around and like do shows. So I got like a bit of practicing, kind of knew my way around the ring a little bit, or at least I thought I did. So I get to Ron Konkuma and we take the train out. It's a long ride, it's about an hour and a half. And thank God the school was literally right off the train station. So like a few blocks away. We get there and as you know, all my friends are there from like my Long Island backyard, backyarders. And you know, there's this dude and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a trainer here. You know, I run this school. We're just going to do matches and see how you do and kind of whoever wants to join, joins. I'm like, okay. So I get in there with my friend, Ryan at the time. And, and we, we rock out, we do a five minute match. He pulls me to the side. He's like, you guys did the best out of everybody. I go, oh, thanks. He's like, well, I want to see, I, I train Tuesdays and Thursdays. One of you guys come down and, uh, you know, it's 75 bucks a month. You'll sign a contract pretty much with us for the year, which was more like a, we're going to take the payment from your debit card type deal. Um, so it wasn't like a contract. You're breaching anything really. It was right. just like, we're going to take money out of your card every month. And, uh, yeah, it come down and I'm like, oh man, how am I going to pay for this train ticket? Because this train ticket's like $35 yeah, round it's, trip. It's, you're not close. Yeah, it's twice a week. I'm like, that's a lot of work hours. And I'm like, you know what? The hell with it. If I got to live on bagels, I'll live on bagels. <laughs> so I uh, I come back on Tuesday and he's like, oh, he, uh, he calls me up and he's like, dude, just FYI, I forgot to mention, there's some guys coming in from the city. So maybe you guys could carpool. I'm like, cool. So I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. But I'm nervous because I never done that before. I'm like, what? Carpool with people? I'm like, oh, you know. So it was, um, he's like, yeah, meet this guy, um, this kid, uh, Angel. His name is Mike, but we just called him Angel. And his friend Joe. And then my friend Will, who was another backyarder, we like all oh, we me and Will go that 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 Tuesday, and then we meet Joe and Angel, and we just Clicked. We became buddies, and that was the ride for the next year and a half. Tuesday and Thursday, we'd cram up into a car, give them some few hours of gas, and every Tuesday and Thursday night, out to Ron Konkuma, and we we would train. Now, when you did the whole tryout thing, mm -hmm. 
did you, you and your friend, you had to, like, you had to pretty much script that whole thing then, right? So was that part of the tryout or were you guys just like freestyling it? Like, how do you, like, you know, cause usually yeah. when you do a match mm-hmm. in like professional wrestling, the whole thing is kind of like scripted beforehand, right? So how does it? Yeah. Like a lot of it is scripted and a lot of it is on the fly, depending yeah. on like the person, how they work and, and you know, their level of experience. Uh, with me and him, we we were already rocking and rolling a lot from backyard wrestling. Right, so, we so you kind of knew how to... Yeah. yeah, we were like, yo, let's do X, Y, and Z and, you know, tackle, drop down, leapfrog and kind of be basic and, you know, I'll, I'll hit you with this move and that's it. It's a tryout. We won't go crazy and try to kill ourselves. Let's just keep it basic to kind of let people know that we could work uh, uh, or think that we could work. Right. <laughs> so we, yeah, we just kind of did that for a bit and then we went in there and they were just like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. So then you're doing, you're going to this school in Long Island and this is, so is it just like a training academy essentially, or is it more of an actual like smaller promotion type thing? Like what's the actual it setup was of a, this gym? It was a smaller promotion. It was called Fight the World Wrestling. And they had their school inside of a, of a it may have been a jujitsu mixed martial arts type of school. So when you walked in, it was like your front desk and then like your big giant mats and everyone rolling around. And then the room behind it, that's where the ring was with more mats and guys rolling around and using the ring on the on the off time. So then we would start around like eight o'clock from we'll go from like eight to ten. And then um, we would like wrestle for two, three hours and then leave. So it was like we would go, we would warm up. It was more like, you know, we'll do 100 pushups, 100 squats, 100 like crunches, leg raises, all that stuff. Get in the ring, do all like drills. We would warm up, run the ropes. Stuff like that stretch. And then we would, whatever the criteria was for that day, we would work on it and do that. And do you feel like your skill level improved a lot once you started doing that? Or did you think like mate, like you were getting just as much when you were doing it by yourself kind of in the backyard? If it, it helped in, in the way of how to structure a match for basic for like if you're just going in there and just rocking and rolling for about five to eight minutes it gave me the 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 breakdown of it also where to place certain things that was maybe where it ended then me and my friend would come up with ideas on certain things it was very as as we like progressed we were thinking more of the story of a wrestling match rather than just having the match and having wrestling psychology. It was more of what's the story of this match? What are we going to do? Why do I hate you? Why do you hate me? What are we fighting for here? And where can we insert certain things in to make the most of what we're trying to tell you? These fans trying to like, what we're trying to convey to the audience. Yeah. I think that's something that, unless you're really entrenched in that world, people don't really think about is wrestling is kind of a twofold thing mm-hmm. where it's not just like a scripted, you know, physical match. There's also like a big acting portion to it. There's a big storyline. So how did you go about developing like a character working on your acting skills? Cause I like, were you guys acting in your backyard? You know what I mean? Like how, yeah. like once you started doing actual <laughs> shows for real, like how did you, develop a character and learn how to get the crowd involved and everyone excited so at at first you know i always looked at me and um i was like who am i who am i as a person 
and how can I project this and make this louder, like, you know, larger than life. And, you know, my friend who got signed to Impact Wrestling, uh, Ortiz, he's like, look, man, I, I look, you know, hood, but I'm not hood. And that's what fits my shtick. That's why I'm at where I'm at. You know, and then there's, you know, and, and me, I'm like, you know, he's he's from New York City. And there's like that ghetto, like hood New York. I always looked at myself as, yeah, I'm from like the ghetto New York, but I'm kind of bougie with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't hang out where I rest my head. So right. I'm in the Lower East Side, I'm in the projects, but you could find me in a coffee shop in Soho. And you always found me with a hot girl that had something like that, that wasn't just a regular chick. You'll be like, oh, Joe, who you? Oh, with so and so, and she's like a model, and blah, blah, blah. Or I'll be at Abercrombie and Fitch talking to one of those girls, and they were an actress or something like that. You know, so I always found it was that, that nothing about me was regular. Like, oh, she works here, and that's it. Right. I would like, okay, they're doing that. And I would always be like somewhere cool, or, you know, trying to like talk to someone and, you know, chill out. And like, I would always wear different clothes. You know, I was like, all right, let me like wear my ripped jeans and look like a, you know, a fuck boy. <laughs> and then it became preppy fuck boy. Then it became glamour looking fuck fuck boy. And then it was like, all right, so on and so forth. And that was like the, the, in my head, the character. It didn't start off that way though. It started off as like, oh, I love Las Vegas, but I never been. So it was hard to like try to project that. It was like, I would watch Ocean's Eleven and go, dude, like, I love how these guys look and I love their swag. So like, Entourage and Ocean's Eleven and all these shows with like a bunch of dudes chilling out look like the Four Horsemen. That was my thing. I love that. Like that those fast talking dudes and I would try to like do promos in my mirror like of like emulating Ric Flair and, and, and emulating these like, you know, those guys and then it, ends up, it ended up going into this where you emulate them and you stick with them and then as the course of your like life, you're like, oh, I feel more like a savage. I feel more because I'm grinding it out. I'm getting told no a lot. Um, you know, people are like, dude, you're too skinny. Up, oh, you're too. You got too much fat on you. You're too this, and it made me angry. It was just like, what? Then what do you want? Like, what do you want? And then it became more of me being angry, and me projecting that anger out. Oh man, my life situation is bad. It sucks. I'm grinding it out. I'm living on, you know, top ramen and this. I live in the projects. I hate it. I'm trying to get myself out. And that whole, it became really gritty New York City. And still kind of the look was glam, but it was like, no, I'm not this. I'm the man. And I would literally like constantly wake up in the morning, tell myself how amazing I was and how I was never going to stop. And then that character came out and it was just more of like this self-confidence that I always had that now comes out more. So I can't pinpoint how like my character, like, oh, it's this or this. It's just, I'm a really confident dude. And I got that from constantly grinding it out and overcoming things. And that's like, when I go out there and wrestle, that's what I project that makes it easier, though, when you stay more true to yourself, at least, than yeah. trying to, like you were saying, you're trying to do some Vegas character, but you've no, you never been to Vegas, so that's no. not going to come off authentic mm -mm. and stuff. And when I went, I was like, I'm not Vegas. 
<laughs> like, this I is all bullshit. Like, this is no. No, you're walking down like the strip. Girls are like, oh, hey. You're like, fuck, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, you're at the casino. You're like, okay, cool. Beginner's luck. I just want like a few hundred bucks. Great. I want to go back to my hotel room and chill. Okay. Like, I'm good. Where's the next coffee shop? Is there a coffee shop around here I could go to? Oh, there isn't. Every, ugh. <laughs> okay, so you're developing your character as you go through. You're working with, you know, I, I assume you then were bouncing around through different promotions yeah. leading up till now. So what got you to like ECWA, this, uh, what you're doing now? So uh, ECWA was a big bucket list check for me from day one. I was at FTW and I remember working Tommaso Champa, and just for some, I was nervous. Like my anxiety for this match was through the roof and I was young. I didn't know any better. I didn't have anyone telling me, hey, this is this guy. We want you to train like this. Go in there with the utmost confidence and step toe-to-toe with him. He just came from an injury. He just came from WWE. He, I think I, you know, I don't know the whole story, but he was just coming back. And this is before he got, just recently got signed. So this is about maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. And, you know, I worked him and I didn't feel like the match was good. I... There was a lot of cool things I did in that match, but there, it wasn't spectacular. And my trainer at the time, you know, he's telling me, and he's like, you know, you're going to make it to the Super 8 one day. And this is ECWA's big, like, you know, tournament that they take all the top indie guys, throw them in a tournament, and whoever's the man at the end is, you know, the man, and they get put in the PWI magazine, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So that was always my goal. It was like, I want to get in the magazine. And, you know, growing up, my dad would go and get me, you know, the wrestler, WWE, WWE Raw, uh, Inside Wrestling, and PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But that was, like, my favorite one because it had all, like, the standings and, like, the, the rankings and everything. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be in that one day. And I remember my trainer telling me, you know, you're going to get there one day. Just keep busting your butt. And I was just like, yeah. And I, I emailed the promoter for ECWA, and he's like, ignored me. You know, left me on red. And every f- few months, I would email him. And then I met this other wrestler, worked with him. His name was Atu. And he vouched for me. Still didn't get in. Still didn't get in. So I'm doing all these other wrestling promotions and, you know, throughout the, you know, the tri-state. And about a year and a half ago, my friend AJ is like, I think there's a spot open ECWA. Come with us. And it's January... 2018 and I'm like all right let's go this is about way in I'm kicking the door down because what I got left you know so I went in there uh, and they put me in a spot where I was hitting this other wrestler Joe Gacy with the ECWA heavyweight championship belt and I was like all right I don't know if I'm ever coming back so I have to milk this for all it's worth (laughs) I have to go in there, run in like if this is WWE Monday Night Raw, grab that championship, climb up to the top rope, show it off, and bang this dude over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the funny thing about that was, was I never touched the belt before. So I didn't know how much it weighed. <laughs> is it actually heavy as shit? It's heavy as shit, dude. <laughs> so I, I, I go through the crowd, I hide, 
And I slid in the ring. I grabbed the championship belt, climb up to the top rope. It almost slips out of my hands because I'm like, oh, holy man. shit. And I got these tight ass jeans on, so I can't climb the ropes. <laughs> I'm like, I should have rehearsed this. But I'm like, maybe if I don't, it'll look realer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I get up there, grab the belt, wham, run out of the ring. My friend pins him one, two, three. And I'm like, all right, I made my ECWA debut. What now? And I thought about it that night. And I remember being at Hooters and I'm telling AJ, I'm like, AJ, I'm going to milk this. I am going to milk this. Because none of these wrestling promoters are going to make a story out there for me. And I have to tell my own story. If I tell my own story in the confines of this, I'm going to get over. I'm going to get opportunities. I'm going to create opportunities for myself. I just have to tell my story. And he's like, what's your story? I'm like, I am the saltiest dog in the land and I want a damn opportunity. That's it. Let me showcase what I can do. So I didn't get booked for the next few months. So all I did was talk about me hitting him with the belt. Me, I was like, Joe, I hit you with the championship belt. Say something to me. Call me out. You're a punk. Call me out. Call me out. You're the Mid-Atlantic champ. Let's do something. Come on, put the belt on the line. Do something. Call. Me. Come on, like fight me. Right. For months, didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. And I was getting so upset at home, like just anger. Like just, I would, I would flip on YouTube. I would see him cut promos for all these other promotions, Combat Zone Wrestling, everywhere else he was at Evolve. And I was like, dude, you're overlooking me. And I felt overlooked. And I was like, no, no. September rolls around, debut match for the Middle Atlantic Championship. I was beyond stoked. And I was like, I have to show out because I don't know if this is going to be the last time I'm in there. Right. You know? And um, yeah, we worked and the promoter was like, dude, I didn't think you were that good. And I was like, I just looked at him. He's like, don't take it like that. I dropped the ball years ago. I should have got you years ago, but we have you now. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> All I ever wanted was an opportunity. He's like, yeah, just keep, keep, keep it up. And that's how I got in. See, I love that because that's a great example of a lot of times people fall into the trap of kind of waiting for an opportunity to pop up and kind of be handed mm -hmm. to them. And you pretty much, it just like happened that, oh, we need somebody. You jumped to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You did the whole thing. You hit them with the belt. And then you realize, oh, this is my way in. Nobody else was handing it to you. So you're like, I'm going to find a way to create that, that yeah. door. I'm going to make the door. And then open it myself mm -hmm. as opposed to sitting there waiting for someone to just open some imaginary door. So I think a lot of people don't really think that they have they have the ability to create something for themselves. So that's really cool that you were able yeah. to do that. And it's it's one of those things, too, where like pro wrestling is my outlet, you know, and it, it allows me to be creative and create things. And sometimes I have to close myself off a lot from like my friends and going out and just chilling out to just sit at home and and. and feel these crazy bad moments to motivate myself to go out there and make something happen 
I keep it in the front of my head and people don't really understand that about me. They're like, no, always think positive. And I'm like, no, no, I have to think about those times when my, my dad passed away, you know, my mom passed away, me being hungry and watching that wrestling match and, 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 you know, being scared of being homeless. Like I don't have anything. And even when I have it, I don't have it. Like I, I'm up against a wall and I have to constantly get myself going to break through. I can't stop. I can't, I can't, okay, I'm the champ and I'm like, what, what, what's next now? Getting, getting to the spot is easy. Like getting, getting in, getting your foot in the door. That's the easiest part. Staying in there. Right. With all those other sharks that are looking at you, like, oh, who's this guy? They're looking at you and they're like, oh, okay. And you have to constantly be on your game. And that's how I get in my game. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose my spot. Yeah, people say all the time, they always say, it's easy to get on top, it's hard to stay on top. And a lot of people fall into the trap of, they're not even on top. They just accomplish something. And then they're like, oh, they feel good about themselves. You start getting uh, fat and happy and complacent. And then it's just bam, gone like yeah. that, you know? That's like, yeah, you have to find any way to motivate yourself to mm -hmm. be consistent and stay where you are and keep going. Yeah. You know? It's, it's you know, it's the same. Like, I, I remember uh, also, like, I was trying to put out more content. Like, I wasn't wrestling everywhere and I wanted to wrestle everywhere. So I was like, all right. I emailed all these people. Not, nobody's got back to me. Oh. This sucks. So let me just make the most of everything I have and just create content and then people will see and people will watch and I'll create value with myself. And uh, it happened with the ECWA championship where I had, uh, I finally won the Mid-Atlantic the next, the next night, the next show. And they put the belt on me and I was like, oh my God, I'm the champ. Like, this is a promotion that I dreamed of being at and I'm the champion now. On my second match in, I'm the Mid-Atlantic champion. What? Yeah, that is actually crazy. It's only your second match. Yeah, I'm like, what? And then, you know, I'm like, okay. Then the next night, you know, the next show I have a match and it's fine. It's cool. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to have you wrestle tie awesome for the championship. What? And what happened was I put myself in a situation after I won the Mid-Atlantic championship where I walked into him and just shot a video. I said, you know what? I'm here. Let me just call him out. But don't say a word. Let me just walk up to him, spin him around. He just won his championship. I won mine. Hey, how you doing, buddy? And it set the tone. It was like, okay, Joey's going to challenge this guy down the line. Put it up. It was great. Got like the promoter loved it. Thank God. Cause I was like, oh, if it, if it didn't like it and I put it up, oh <laughs> yeah. man, I'm screwed, you know. <laughs> and I was like, better ask for uh, forgiveness instead of permission at this point. Uh, right. All right, let me just go do it. Um, I did it, and you know, we had a match, and it was awesome because you know, I'm in there now fighting for the ECWA championship. It's the big red, you know. It's in the magazines. It's the magazine I love growing up. This is crazy. This is awesome. And um. You know, we had that match and I'm like, okay, cool. And then they this set up for a match for a six-way the next the, the next month. And I'm like, okay, now I'm in the match again. So during this time, I was 
I forgot about the magazine. It just wasn't on my mind. And I they put up a picture of the rankings. And it was like East Coast Wrestling Association, uh, champion Ty Awesome, number one, Joey Ace, number two, and then, you know, so on and so forth to the rest of the guys. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm in the, ma- my name's in the magazine. This is crazy. So I don't, I'm like, okay, I need to go buy it. I need to go buy this magazine and see this for myself. I look all over Manhattan and I can't find it. Uh, I remember just on the train, I fell asleep. I'm on the wrong train, end up in Brooklyn. <laughs> and I'm in J Street. I'm like, oh man, they have a newsstand here. And I'm like, oh, groggy. I like, oh man, I went the wrong way. And I'm at the newsstand and bam, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I buy it. I flip through it. My name's in it. Two hour ride back home to Forest Hills. I'm crying my eyeballs out the whole time. So look, I'm in the magazine. But then I'm like, this isn't enough. I need to be like in a page right. with the big red, like with the big red. Like I need to be on, like in, in the magazine, like I just need to have it. And uh, during this time, the promoter, one of the promoters is like, I need you to cut the promo of your life. I'm like, oh, damn. So I hit up AJ. I'm like, AJ wants me to cut a promo, but like a big one for this match let's meet up tonight and let's do something. It's like, all right, we meet up. And for some reason with this promo, the stars aligned. You know, the match is in Philadelphia. And I'm like, oh man, city of brotherly love. Bam, where where am I from? Oh, Empire, Big Apple, the Empire State, boom. And I'm like, dude, let's meet at 34th Street. I'll come out of the train station. Uh, Penn, Penn Station, they'll say ACE in the back. I'll talk about X, Y, and Z, point up at like, you know, flip the camera towards the Empire State Building. We'll have all these little pieces in in the promo and bam, we'll, we'll just send it to him and we'll put it up. And, and I did, we did it, we shot it on an iPhone, <laughs> you know, made a little couple edits and, you know, I, I said what I had to say and I was just trying to be super charismatic and amped up and the promoters loved it. The next week we go and we have the match and I win. Let's go. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm there. Yeah, I, I hit my elbow drop, right? I pin tie also one, two, three. And, you know, the <laughs> John Finnegan raises my hand. And this is the senior referee for Extreme Championship Wrestling. I grew up watching John Finnegan ref. He has refed like these amazing matches in New York City and Philly, like everywhere. And I'm in Philadelphia, South Philly, and he's raising my hand. And not only do I have the Mid-Atlantic Championship, I have the big red. I have the heavyweight ECWA championship belt in my hands. And I'm like, dude, this is not even real. Like, this is like, for like for me, for independent wrestling, like in the East Coast, this is like it. Did you get to put the both belts on at the time or no? Yeah, I That's, slung them both on my shoulders, yeah. like a shot on my Instagram. <laughs> I got them both slung on my shoulder. You're looking like a badass. And I'm just like, I can't believe that's me. I'm like, holy shit. Like, like, and, but it's like John Finnegan raised my hand and I'm like, this is insane. 
this is like the, like I've watched John Finnegan like Van Dam and and like you know John Cena at the Hammerstein like he's the ref I'm like what <laughs> this is crazy uh and but then I didn't like that night I was like okay now the real work begins cuz I have to keep this and I have to make this mean the most like this has to be the belt because I have it this has to be the belt I was like I don't know how I'm going to do this but I'm just going to do it and I don't feel like right now, like I'm deserving of it. Even through all the hard work, I'm like, no, no, I, I have to do more and more and more and more and constantly put out there, constantly put content, be on my game, be in the gym, look like the champion in my head that I've watched when I was watching Brett the Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels go at it. When they went out there for an hour and killed themselves at WrestleMania 12, I, I was like, they, those look like... Those are warriors. I need to be a warrior like that in everything. I was like my in-ring work, promos, the gym, outside, like everything. But, yeah. And you still got it. Yeah, still got it. You know, they, they're having a, a couple of hiccups with booking shows right now. I'll, I'll, I won't get into that craziness. Um, but as long as I have those, <laughs> I would tell you I'm the man. <laughs> Now, here's my dumb question because I don't understand wrestling as much as you do. And I don't think maybe not everyone else does. How do you... So you said like going back to when you hit the dude in the head with the belt, right? Yeah. Going back. You didn't rehearse that with him, right? No. So how so how do you do these things and make it look as real as possible without actually hurting each other? Or do you just actually whack him just like, I hope this doesn't hurt him? Ah, no, man. I, I <laughs> it, it was sort of like done like, okay, wait, how are you going to be standing? All right, cool. Because if you stand like this, duck your head and I got you on the rest. So like, how do, but how do you like, I don't, because like sometimes when they do the punches, I could tell like, all right, they're kind of slamming their feet and you're trying yeah, to like yeah, not yeah. really whack the guy. But sometimes it's like, it looks like you really just whacked him. So I got like 15 pounds of a championship <laughs> belt in my hands, right? So it's like, I have it and I'm like, I folded the belt up. That was the hard part to try to climb the ropes and fold the belt up at the same time because they didn't have it folded. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> fold it up for me beforehand. So I was worried about hitting him, but like the, the strap, strap yeah, going yeah. and like cupping around his face and the side plates hitting him in the face. Right. I was so scared of that happening. So I folded the belt and I just, I literally hope for the best. But is that how it is every time? Like, how, like whenever you're like when you're flipping people, or you're throwing guys in the air. You're like coming down with the elbow. You know, like how like it, I feel like that takes a lot of practice, but also not just with yourself, but with that person. Like, how how do people know that the other person's gonna do a good job with that? Um, you trust them, and they're professional. Uh, I practice my elbow drop, and I do it a certain way to not hurt the person. Like like wrestling is, you know, it's. We have to choreograph things and we have to work the next day. So if I'm dropping elbows, like if God lets me in like five nights a week, you know, I have to protect this other person because this other person has to do another job, you know? So it's a lot of practice. And, and you know, you when I started doing that elbow drop, I was like, you know, let me just do it off the ground. Do it off the ground. Let me do it off the middle rope. Let me see how it feels. And then you go up to the top and get comfy and start laying it in. Have, have you ever gotten hurt? Like pretty bad. Thank God I haven't. Thank God. Not yet. I'm, I knock on wood. That's you, know, no, you can knock the, the walls wood. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, 
thank God I haven't. Um, I've been super dehydrated and like legs cramped up on me. Ooh, that's the like calf or no, like my Ooh. whole leg. I Ugh. took so got a story for you. Uh, I was at the Queens Elks Lodge, and it's may have been like five six years ago. And Angel Ortiz were wrestling, we're going at it, and it's like a rematch, and we wanted to make it super epic. So he's like, "Yo, let me let me suplex you off the guardrail. Maybe you go up to do a springboard. I cut you off, suplex you." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And at the Queens Elks Lodge, he's, the floor is wood, but like a hard wood, you know. And and I do the spot. Dosses me over the guardrail. I crack him. I go to springboard it. Cuts me off. Hooks me. Goes for the suplex. And I just go with it. And he just whips me. And I smack that floor. I miss the mat. There's like no video of it. But there's a picture. And like the mat's not there. The mat's like off to the side. And I'm there like just <laughs> out. And I'm like, oh, the ref's counting. And I'm like... Please, like, just count really slow. Yeah, like, do some kind of like fake thing. Yeah, like, just could you come down and check on me because I can't (laughs) move right now. And it wasn't like a a out of breath, like you know when you hit the ground or like you. you, Yeah, like the wind gets knocked out of you. No, the wind. No, it was no wind knocked out of me. I was like, I can't move my right leg. Oh my god! And um, I grabbed the ring apron, and we're supposed to go up. uh, Now I'm supposed to go up to top rope. Right. To do something like we're supposed to do something, I'm going up to the top rope. I can't move my right leg, so I'm like, this guy. I just I broke myself. I'm done. Damn. And I'm crawling and crawling and crawling. I get up there, man, and I remember like we go at it, and I couldn't, I couldn't climb the, to the top rope. I, I I went, and I remember just like hitting something and just this jolt, and I'm like, yo, I I'm effed up. We finished the match and the locker room set up where like you, you get out and you're in the showers. I just threw myself under showers in all gear, spandex, knee pads, everything's on, boots, all that. And I'm just like dead after the match, just like dead. The doctor comes, he's like, dude, you're like severely dehydrated. Like you need everything. You need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> just let me just lay here with this. And I'm, yeah, I was probably there for an hour, just like on my back. That's the most that I've gotten. See, but getting like that or hurt at all is kind of, it's scary. Obviously, you don't want to get hurt, but it's also bad because if you can't wrestle, then what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of pressure to perform perform through dehydration or an injury or anything like that. So anything like that happens, it's probably like, oh shit, like I got to act like I'm fine or I got to fight through it or something like that. Yeah, I was was scared uh, because, you know, I, I was also personal training, so... I didn't want to go to work and like not be able to show a client how to deadlift or how to squat, you know, but thank God, like it wasn't anything crazy serious. It was just like everything cramped up on me. I needed to stretch a whole lot. I wasn't stretching at all. So I needed to take better care of myself. That just reminded me, okay, yes, the slam hurt. Yes, we take, we fall, but you got to take care of yourself also. Right. So. And actually, so I didn't say that, but you just mentioned the personal training. That's how we know each other because yeah. personal training at the gym I go to. So through all the wrestling stuff, Mm -hmm. you had to have another job. Like, do you get that much money like going up? Like how much money are you really pulling in from doing this wrestling thing? So like, does it even like amount to much at all or no, no. Right. So you have to have a job all the time. Yeah. You have to have a job because you're not making any money on the independent scene. No matter how good we look, there's, there's got, it's just, we're not making. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're like our jobs is fueling this. 
you know, thing. But you have to think of it also as just like a business when you're doing professional wrestling. Like, you have to sell merchandise. You have to sell, you know, 8x10s, T-shirts, everything else. Negotiate with your promoter for how much money, you know. So that kind of plays into my drive where I need to cut promos, need to do videos, need to do other things in the avenues of wrestling to up my stake and up my value. Mm-hmm. But personal training is how I make my living. Right. So. You're doing all this independent wrestling now. I would assume the ultimate goal would be like you're in the WWE or something like that. Yeah, that would be the ultimate I, I, goal. Um, WWE isn't the only dance, though. Right. There's a few others. There's a few others, you know, and it's just right now for me is to be on TV. Okay. That's why. So what's your game plan or strategy to try and get to that point? Like how you see you see that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the map? Now, the map is more like, okay to get in tremendous shape, to continue working on my, you know, acting skills, just like promos and stuff like that. Did you take any like classes at all for that? Or you just do it, practice yourself? I practice myself. Right. I need to, I would love to start taking classes, uh, but now it's just practicing on my own um, and just trying to like me, it's more of a, a, a thing where I want to be authentic as possible. So I don't want to play a role. Uh, I just want to be me. Um, so like the, the route I'm taking is I'm probably going to start some vlogs, start more podcasts on my own podcast and kind of get my story out there so people can gravitate to, so kind of bridge the gap. Okay. You, you wrestle, but why, why do you wrestle? What's your drive come from? Where's this and that, you know, to have people to get to know me in a just deeper level and connect with them. And once I have that, then hopefully that helps with me getting to where I need to be. So do you ever have people around you like so this obviously is probably takes up a lot of your time a lot of your like mental focus like you're probably thinking about that a lot you're supposed to be focusing on other stuff do you ever have people around you who are kind of discouraging you at all or saying like i don't know joey like you've been doing it for a while like i don't know if it's if it's going to work out like what do you get more of you think you more people who support you or more people who kind of like either they don't get it or they're like i'm not sure blah 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 you know right now i have a lot of people like, well, not a lot, but there's like a, a group, a, a clump of people that I have that are super supportive. And I stick with those people. I've had people at times, you know, tell you, they tell you, ah, it's, just, you know, it's just a hobby. Maybe you should go find something. Right. Cause you're not making money from it. So I can yeah. see it's easy for somebody who doesn't understand to think of it that way. Exactly. Also with personal training. Oh, when, when you're going to get a real job, it's like, what? Yeah, personal training is a real job. <laughs> it's a real job. It's yeah. a career. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. I love doing this. <clears throat> right. You know? And um, a lot of, like, my frustration growing up to, like, in my 20s was from people, like, being around people who were, like, negative and just not accepting to the life that I wanted and and how I wanted to live my life. It was it was a conflict, conflict of interest with, you know, some of my relationships and, and and with friends and people, like, okay, get up at four in the morning. What? How do you get up at four in the morning? Just get up at four in the morning. Yeah. My first client's at six, you know? Uh, or I'm I'm out for this wrestling match X amount of hours, you know, days, and I'm gonna do a loop and I'm traveling. Like, this is my life. Like, what do you mean? Like what oh, get another job. Like, what are you you're not making any money? You're not doing this, you're not doing that. Oh, come hang out. And it's like no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the come hang out thing. Cause some people are like, Oh, like why, like why are you doing all that? Just hang out. It's like, that's just, 
I'd be complacent then if I was just hanging out all the time. Like there's time for that and there's time where yeah. you got to commit to whatever you're doing. Yeah, you you tend to fall into that trap easy. I have a lot of friends fall into that trap where they 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 don't follow their dream. They go run around, hang out. And, you know, I was like that too. I would just go, oh, let me just go chill, you know, and hang out with fam and friends and, you know, do that every weekend. It felt empty. It felt so empty. It was just like, I can't, I can't do this. Saturday night, I'm itching. Like when I'm not wrestling, I'm itching. I'm like, yo, I need to be out there. I need to feel the crowd. I need to feel the ring. I need to be in this like, in this situation of, of, you know, trying to pursue my goal. And if I'm not doing that, then there's no point of living, really. Right. It's <laughs> like it's, you're either going forward or you're just sitting still. Yeah, almost. you know, all or nothing. And right. and um, I've been in that situation where you're just like, why am I even here right now? I'm just going to go like home, just, you know, chill with my dog, watch wrestling. <laughs> if I'm not wrestling, I'm going to watch wrestling. I'm yeah. going to study it. I'm going to do something. Don't want to just talk about life stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like, it's hard because I feel like that sometimes mm-hmm. with things you're like, oh, like uh, I don't want to hang out, like it's slowing me down or whatever. The problem is sometimes you take it to the extreme where it's like sometimes it's good to just relax mm-hmm. and see the people, but at the same time, it's like having the attitude that you're saying you have. I feel like is necessary. It's almost like to achieve what you want, you need to take almost that extreme. Yeah, in a way, and, and you need to have people around you that constantly like. The people I have around me now, we're always talking ideas and it's so refreshing, whether it's a podcast idea, a vlog idea, something funny with training or wrestling, we're constantly like just, oh, what about this? Oh, can we do that? Oh, what would that work if I did this? And blah, blah, blah. And just the constant grind. I love that when I'm with people that are like that too. Yeah. They're like supportive and almost invested in what you're doing in yeah. a way as well. You know, and, and yet I'm invested in what they're doing because I'm cheering them on and they're rooting me on and it's great. Right. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. No one makes it alone. Yeah. Yep. No one makes it alone. Whether you think so or not, you don't make it alone. Right. It's it's a grind out there and you need people to support you. You need people to have your back. And you as well. As you go up and, and, and you do your thing, you need to help others succeed and help others grow and help others, you know, achieve their goal. What do you think it so you're saying you have the ultimate driver is to be on TV? Yeah. Right? Do you think that like do you think it motivates you like once you get to that point and that's gonna be like the only thing you focus on? Like are you excited to, oh, I'm gonna make it all the way and then like now I find like are you gonna feel like you made it then? Like what what happens then? Like you get to the TV, what's gonna be your motivation then at that point? Do you think? So like is that the is that the ultimate goal? Like is the ultimate goal literally? I just need to be the champion of the WWE. Like, do you think that far? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, I want to headline WrestleMania, or I want to headline shows all over the world, and then be in magazines and just be like a pop culture icon. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, it's it's funny because like when I say <laughs> it, like when you say it out loud, it sounds almost ridiculous yeah. in a way, but. No, screw it. Right, like, yeah, you shouldn't limit yourself. It's kind no, of like what I'm trying to get at. Like, no, screw it. Like, thinking, I want to yeah. be on the cover of Esquire magazine. That's why I need to cut the fuckboy stuff out. <laughs> whoever's on the cover of Esquire does not look like that. Um, Rolling Stone, you know, all these magazines, Muscle and Fitness, dude. Like, like growing up, like, that was my thing. Like, I would get all these magazines and just, like, want to be those guys. Like, oh, my God, look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God, Bruce Lee. 
you know, those guys are like The Rock. Dude, The Rock is amazing. The Rock is a the Rock, Like, I watch his stuff every single day. Yeah. And then, like, another inspiration I kind of grabbed from it because I'm like, this guy does it all. Kevin Hart. Yeah, he does, actually, yeah. Kevin Hart, man. Like, yes, he's a comedian, but he has a bunch of YouTube channels where he's doing, like, a bunch of, like, shows. He's sold out arenas everywhere. Like, and he's on cover of magazines. Like, what like this yeah. is this is what i want to aspire to be so it's not only just like a professional wrestler it's like just an overall entertainer right you know and hopefully like i get to like share my story on a bigger platform and go into detail and let people know you know like the ultimate goal is like just to have that that kid that that's you know that young kid that was in madison square garden and like influence someone to go oh I want to do that and take them away from whatever struggle they were in. Like that would be my ultimate goal to hear a story. Yo, Joey, I saw you wrestle and blah, 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 Madison Square Garden. And, and it made me, it influenced me to go follow my dream because you did it. That would, I would go home. I would just, okay, I'm done. I'm happy. That's it. <laughs> you know? All right, you did a very good job of answering that because I did a terrible job of answering nah, that I was like, it's I was fine. like, shit. All right, good. So I think that's, what do you think? That's a good way to end it? You, you had think? another question before we started. The music. Yes. Yes, I was going to get to that. Oh. I'm, I'm wrapping up the oh, right. wrestling Ooh, stuff. Yeah. All right, so music recommendation. And I told you this again the last second, so yeah, yeah, you had yeah. to think of this on the fly. No, it's um easily... Uh, Kings of Leon's Mechanical Bull album. Okay. Kings of Leon. I love it. Um, yeah. I love Kings of Leon. I've seen them live, I think, every time they've come to New York City. Um, except I think the first time they were at Madison Square Garden. I missed that one. But ever since then, I've, I've seen... The last time I saw them was at Pier 17 on the rooftop. And they blew me away. They sung all their old hits. And with the backdrop of like the Brooklyn Manhattan Bridge in downtown Manhattan... That night was magical. Like last August was amazing. And Kings of Leon, any song, any song is dope. Their old stuff is amazing. Their new stuff is killer. Like if anyone's going to have like some kind of like just wants to, it's going out on a long drive at summertime, going out to the Hamptons, going out, you know, down to the shore, slam on some Kings of Leon and just drive and you will be like in heaven. But that's my music recommendation. All right. I'll put that in the show notes so people can see it and go get it. All right. So I think that we hit just about an hour. So that's like perfect. Joey Ace, professional wrestler, ECWA champ, mid-Atlantic champ, future WWE champ. Thank you, bro. <laughs> you're, you're the man for doing this. Thank Appreciate you. it. I'll probably see you tomorrow at the gym. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And happy birthday. Oh, man. Thank you so much, bro. <laughs> All right. See you guys.